0: ourselves tonight in the book of James, he starts off this gospel by encouraging the the people that are listening in to to persevere through trial. He says, count it all joy, dear brethren, when you face trials of, of various kinds. He calls them to maintain their faith, to maintain their perseverance through trials. In verses 1 through 12, he hits on that theme. And then in verse 13, he calls them to start fighting temptation and to be fighting temptation with the awareness that temptation doesn't come from God. God has no evil in him. He does not tempt people with evil. He calls them to resist temptation, to resist sin, and to be aware that God only gives good gifts. And then in verse 18 of of James chapter 1, He starts to talk about the word of God, and this is going to be fundamental to where we go tonight. In 18, he says, in the exercise of God's will, he, God, brought us forth by the word of truth. What James says in that statement is he looks to these churches and he says, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God called you by his word. God used his word to draw you to himself. That is, that is how anyone is saved. They are saved through the word of God. Now, there's all sorts of different components in, in someone being brought to salvation. God calls them. Christ's work obviously enables it. The spirit convicts us of sin and draws us to God. But, but it's through the word of God that he calls us to himself. It's through the proclamation of God's word, through the preaching, through the presentation of God's word. So James says to these people, you Christians have been called and you've been called by the word of God. Because that's true, he essentially looks at these churches and he says, because that's a reality in your life, stop sinning. Because God has called you, because you have been, in verse 18, brought forth by the word of truth, then look at verse 19, you know this, you know that you've been brought forth by the word of truth, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word. So he so said, look, you, you've been called by the word of God. So stop sinning. Because God has drawn you to himself. Don't let there be sin in our life. So you imagine the churches and they're saying, okay, so that's what we're not supposed to do. How how do we do that? How do we resist sin? How do we fight that temptation? How do we do all of that? Well, James gives them instruction at the end of verse 21. He says, rather receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. In other words, what James looks at these churches and he says is stop sinning. And instead, receive the word. Receive the scriptures. Now, you initially were called by the scriptures. The scriptures were used to draw you to God. But but still, you're struggling with sin. So stop sinning and rather receive the word. When James calls them to receive the word, he's telling them to expose themselves to the truths of the word of God. Receive it, hear it, be around it. Subject yourself to the preaching of the word. We could very accurately say that right now you are all receiving the word because we are together opening the word of God together. It's being proclaimed to you. You're receiving the word. That is necessary if you are to stop sinning. God's word is what we need. It equips us to live righteously So God called you with his word. You must continue to receive the word. James makes this message very clear. But in the midst of all of that message, there's a very specific danger among those who receive the word of God that James is aware of in these churches. There's a danger, a concern that James has because receiving the word, ex- exposing yourself, subjecting yourself to the word, make, putting yourself in positions where you're hearing, you're receiving the word, just like you're doing right now, isn't enough. That is not the goal. James is worried. They, they must receive the word. But there's a danger. And this danger is is going to be the launching pad for this study. Tonight, we're going to kick off a new... We're going to be in this probably for three weeks. We're going to title this, Faith Works. Faith Works. You'll see why we're going there as we look at the danger that James has for this church. The, The danger to everyone who receives the word of God is that they would walk away unchanged. The danger to everyone who receives the word of God is that they would walk away unchanged. See, he's, he's told these churches, you are called by the word. He's told these churches, you're struggling with sin. You need to stop that. So you need to receive the word. But that's not the end of James' message. James is concerned, even for those who are receiving the word, that they would receive the word and then walk away unchanged that they would hear the gospel, that they would hear all that Scripture calls us to do, that they would say, yeah, that's great, and then walk away without changing their lives in accordance with the word that they received. And so James says these words in verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers. Who delude themselves. Last week, we kind of transitioned between the study that we were in in the Gospel of John for a couple of years into this new study that that we just started. And we ended that study with, we ended that kind of transitional sermon with a concern. And that concern is what James is going to say in these verses. That concern is that appreciation without application is self-deception. Appreciation without application is self-deception. James calls those reading his letter to be doers of the word and not merely hearers. Last week, the, the concern from which we began this study was that there would be those who, who believe in Jesus, who, who, who have faith in Jesus, but whose lives have never changed. And, it, and it's really the exact opposite of the concern that we had in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, it was, okay, it's, it's dangerous for there to be religious activity aside from genuine belief in Jesus. We must have genuine faith. That's why Jesus, many will say to Jesus on the last day, Lord, Lord, did we not do many great things in your name? And Jesus will say, I never knew you, because they didn't truly believe. That's why we went with the Gospel of John, so that, so, that, so that we could have the information that we need to truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died, rose, for our sins. Now that we've finished that, we've come full circle. And and the concern that we have is is the exact opposite side of the coin. And that is that there would be a level of belief, but a life that's unchanged. That is what James is worried about in James chapter 1. That there would be people who, who are placing themselves in the church They're surrounded by the word. They're hearing the word preached. They're probably taking notes on the word that's preached. They're singing the word of God. They're talking about the word of God to their friends. They may have someone discipling them, but they're not changing. They may like the truth. They may appreciate the truth. But they're not applying the truth. And so, what James wants these people to know, because they're they're struggling, there's sin in their life, and he's saying, Stop sinning, receive the word, and as you receive the word, apply the word. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Because appreciation of truth without application of truth is self deception. That statement is James' message. Appreciation without application is self deception. We're going to see that revealed tonight as we break this down. And here's here's how we're going to break this down two illustrations that reveal the danger of appreciation without application. Two illustrations that reveal the danger of appreciation without application. James is uh, going to give a little bit of a unique illustration in the next few verses to drive home this message that he's just called them to do, to be doers and not just hearers. He's told them, that's the main statement of this, of this paragraph, he's, he's told them what he needs them to know. Stop being just a hearer. Hearers only delude themselves. They deceive themselves. You must be a doer of the word. He's told them that. Now, he's going to give them two illustrations that drive that message home. The illustrations that he's going to give are illustrations that revolve around around an object, they're going to revolve around a mirror. He's going to use an illustration of someone looking into a mirror to drive home this message that elevates appreciation without application in the danger of that state. Let's read it, and then we'll talk through these illustrations. Verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at the mirror, once he has looked at himself in the mirror and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of a person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a, a forgetful hero but an effectual doer, this man, this man will be blessed in what he does. In those verses, James gave two illustrations that reveal the danger of appreciation without application. It's a a really unique set of stories that he uses. If you're anything like me, you read that and you know how illustrations are supposed to help you understand something? But sometimes someone, yeah, I've probably done this to you guys a hundred times. Someone's given you an illustration and you're like, I have no idea where you're going with that. I kind of feel this way when James is giving this illustration. He's like, be a doer, not just a hearer. And I'm like, I'm tracking with you. And then he's like, because hearers are like guys that look in the mirror and forget what they look like. It's a little weird, right? It's a little bit of a straight. It's not especially helpful at first glance, at least not to us in our context. So what I want to do is I want want us to understand what kind of terminology James is using here and how it helps drive home this message of the danger of appreciation without application. He's speaking in this context. We've already talked about this. He's speaking about the word of God. He's just said, hey, you were called. With the word of God. The word of God was used to call you. So keep receiving the word. But there's a danger. That you would be a a hearer of the word. And not a doer of the word. Then he dives into this illustration. And he uses the mirror as a picture of what the word of God is. The mirror in these illustrations is the word of God. He starts to explain this scene in which there's people that are looking into this mirror. They're looking into the word of God and they come away from this mirror. They're coming away from the word of God in different ways. And, and it's here that we need to understand why he uses the word of God as an illustration of, 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 of a mirror. And it's because, just like a mirror, I'm going to throw this up on the screen because I think, I think it'll help us, help us if, we, if we can write this down, it'll help us get a, get a working knowledge of what this is. Like a mirror, the Word of God reveals to us how we need to change. Like a mirror, the Word of God reveals to us how we need to change. Let's dive into that for just a second. Why, why in any point in time do you go up to a mirror and look into it? Well, if you're anything like me, you go into the mirror because you're concerned with how you look. Right? I hope so. Some of you guys are like, I look to the mirror because I like what I see. But that's probably not the best reason, right? We go to a mirror, like, first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I get up and I go into the mirror and and I see a horrifying sight, right? Because my hair does weird things when I sleep and, and like, I got to start over every day. I got to take a shower and I'm starting from scratch every morning. But I wouldn't know that if I didn't have a mirror to look in. Because I look in the mirror and I see, oh, no, right? Or, like, maybe... I just I already know in the morning that I look bad so maybe like a better illustration is after a nap I always go to a mirror and I'm like what do I look like right now and the mirror gives me that illustration the mirror tells me maybe you have you're heading to school or you have some important events you want to make sure that everything looks just right so you're in you're in a mirror some of you girls you have mirrors that magnify your face right like you mirrors that Someone would have to be like this close to see the way that mirror is seeing your face, which if anyone's that close to your face, we have other issues, right? But (laughs) there's mirrors that are like to get every little detail. That's why we look in a mirror, to make sure that everything is just right. Once we receive that information in the mirror, we now have an opportunity to change. See, if I look in the mirror, and my, my, my hair looks really bad, and so my god like, right, I've got to do something with my hair, and so I put on shaving cream, and I shave, and then I walk away. I didn't interpret the information in the mirror correctly. The, the mirror is there to show me what I need to change. James uses that illustration because the Word of God does the exact same thing. When we look to the Word of God, you know what it reveals to us? It reveals how we need to change. It gives us everything we need to be made into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So it confronts sin that I need to deal with. It tells me how I need to change. It shows me the examples that I need to follow. It shows me how I need to change. It shows me the standard that God has for His followers how I need to change. It shows me Jesus, who I ultimately want to become like. It's how I need to change. It gives us instruction from men of the faith in, in what we must do to live godly lives, lives of faith. It shows us how we need to change. And so, this illustration is used because the word of God is just like a mirror. It shows us how we need to change. Well, in this, uh, in this outline, the first illustration that he uses in the context of this mirror is he uses the, the picture of the forgetful man. I'm not going to change topics. Both of these illustrations are going to revolve around a mirror. But the first person to look into a mirror is this forgetful man. We're told about the forgetful man in verses 23 and 24. So James writes, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So we have, in this first illustration, a forgetful man forgetful man who walks up to a mirror just like any of the rest of us and he looks in a mirror and he starts taking in information right and go back to your morning routine you look in the mirror and you start looking at what in this scene do i need to start dealing with the word of God does that same thing. We open the word and it starts to show. Oh, I see sin in my life. I see things that I need to work on. I see pride that I need to be dealing with. I see I see opportunities for me to become more like Christ every time I open the word. So I'm opening the word and I'm looking and I'm seeing opportunities here. This man is doing that. He sees the opportunities. You could say he receives the word. He feels conviction. But then in this illustration, the forgetful man walks away from the mirror which is okay sometimes you've got to walk away from the mirror to go start working on yourself but he walks away from the mirror and he forgets what he looks like he forgets what he just saw you know why that matters because the mirror shows us what we need to change The problem with the forgetful man, he's a hearer but not a doer. The problem with the forgetful man is that he walks away forgetting what needs to change in his life. This is is a picture of our approach to the Word of God. We we could look at James' illustration in James chapter 1. He's just called them to, to be men and women of faith. Ask God for things. Don't rely on your own strength, don't rely on your own flesh. Humble yourselves. Be humble before God. Right? So he's they're receiving the word. They're being called to do something and he knows there's going to be a temptation while he's preaching the word to them for them to be like, oh yeah, I got to ask God for more. I'm proud. I need to humble myself. I, I need to focus on these things. There's so many opportunities in my life for growth and then to walk away and not change. He's calling them to not be that person. Don't be the person who walks up to a mirror, looks at what he needs to change and then walks away unchanged. This is the essence of the problem with the forgetful man. The forgetful man sees his flaws and he walks away without changing them. It's important for a moment to stress the significance of the difference between looking in the mirror and changing what you see. And this is why James is writing. This is why we started off the way we did. He's called them to continue to receive the word and they're doing that. They're hearing the word of God. But hearing the word of God is not the same as changing because of what you heard. You see, this man in this illustration, he he goes to the mirror. He cares about what he looks like. He's going to the mirror. And and the word that's used in, in, in verse 23, he's like a man who looks. That word looks, it's the word study. Like, he's not just, oh, yeah, good, walk away. Like, he's looking. He's got one of those magnifying mirrors in his face. He's, he's studying his face. He knows everything that's wrong with it. He's, he's heard the word. He knows what he needs to change. The problem with this man, the forgetful man, the hero who's not a doer, is not that he doesn't care what he looks like. He listens to the word. He does what every one of you are doing right now. He, he submits himself to teaching. He goes to church. He hears the word. But hearing the word is not the goal. This forgetful man walks away unchanged. And James is terrified that his readers, that his listeners would do the same. I want us to understand something before we leave this point. The forgetful man is not just absent minded. The forgetful man has deceived himself. The forgetful man is not just absent minded. He has deceived himself. You see, it would be easy, and we use this as a cop out a lot, to be like, ah, the forgetful man, he just forgets. He's not a bad guy, he's just dumb. Because like, I've used this a lot as a cop-out in my life. Where it was like, you no, know, why didn't you do this? I forgot. It's not like I was purposely like, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. It just slipped my mind. But, but that's not an excuse. Being forgetful, being absent-minded is not the root problem of this man. If we go back to verse 22, when James is calling them to this central statement, prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers. Why? Because hearers delude themselves. That's that word deceive. They they deceive themselves. Those who hear the word without doing it, they lie to themselves and then they believe that lie that they've just fed to themselves. To be a hearer and not a doer is to deceive yourself. It's not just absent-mindedness. The accusation against this man is not that he forgot to change. The The accusation against this man is that he didn't care enough to remember. He didn't care enough to make a point of changing. He cared some. He cared enough to submit himself to the word, but he didn't care enough to change. That's the illustration of the forgetful man. And it's an illustration that none of us should be like. James then quickly transitions to a a second illustration. We have the forgetful man, and the second illustration is the effective man. The effective man. The effective man is described to us in verse 25, but... The one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Okay, so this is a direct contrast, and we've already kind of driven home this point, so we won't be here too long. The effective man in this scene is different from the forgetful man in this way. The effective man sees his flaws through the word, and he changes the effective man sees his flaws through the word and he changes. That's, that's what James is describing. So you got the man who looks and he forgets, but then you have this other man. He looks intently, and here is where James reveals what the mirror actually is is in verse 25. He looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. That's the word of God. And this man abides by it. He's not a forgetful hearer. He's an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. So so this, this effective man, he sees he looks into the word he looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and he sees all his problems but then he doesn't just see it in the middle of verse 25 he abides by it he sees what he needs to change in the mirror and then he immediately goes and starts changing that is the effective man we're given important information about this this second man this effective man He does the word. He doesn't just hear it, he does it. He abides by what he hears. Then James tells us that this man, this effectual doer, the effective man, will be blessed in what he does. So here it's it's important for us to understand that the changing man, the effective man, will forever be rewarded. But by contrast, the flip side of that coin is that there is no reward for the forgetful man. There's no reward for the forgetful man. The man who is effective, the man who when he sees when he needs to change, he changes. We we can call this man the changing man. The one who's constantly changing because he's constantly seeing the word and seeing what it needs to change. And he's like, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to go and I'm going to start battling this sin. And I'm going to get accountability. And I'm going to tell people that I need help with this. And I'm going to talk to my leaders about this because I need help battling this sin. That man who's changing, he will be rewarded. But there's no stated reward for the forgetful man. Now you may be tempted to think, it kind of sounds like this is like bonus type terminology. You may be tempted to think that, ah, that's fine, the, the changing man gets rewards, the forgetful man doesn't, but whatever, it doesn't matter. James knows that that is where our minds tend to go. To maybe say, ah, it's just, I'll, I'll skip the reward. But it's because of that that he goes where he's going to go next. And this is where we're going to go next week is the James chapter 2. This is why application is so important. In James chapter 2, this is the statement he's going to make. You know why it's so important to be the effective man and not the forgetful man? Because faith without works Dead faith. It's not real faith. Now, that may raise all sorts of questions in your mind, and we're going to jump into that next week. So please, please come back next week as we continue to look at this topic that we need to be changing. It's a question that you need to ask yourself How am I changing? How am I changing? How am I being made more like Jesus? Because that's what James is talking about, the man who changes. Faith without works is dead. We, We could say it a different way. We could say it this way. Faith without change is dead. Faith that doesn't continue to change is a dead faith. Winston Churchill had a statement that applies to this so well. I love this statement. He said, to improve is to change. You can't get better if you're not willing to change. They continue that statement by saying to to perfect something is to change often. To improve is to change. To perfect is to change often. It's a good statement. Because faith that doesn't change is dead faith. That's what James wants his hearers to know because that's how much this matters. So we're going to jump into that message next week in James chapter 2. Hope you guys can come back for that.